still Easter Day in today's story. But this is Luke's version. And between that first venture to the empty tomb at daybreak and nightfall, Luke gives us a story that the other Gospels don't. A story of Cleopas and another disciple who are going home. Cleopas? Yeah, you've never heard of him before. He's not one of the twelve disciples. He doesn't appear anywhere before in the story or again. But here he is, with an unnamed companion, leaving the fear and disappointment of Jerusalem behind and going home. And on the way, the pair are joined by a stranger. He appears not to know anything of what's happened. And so they tell him the whole story. Let's listen to Lisa reading what happened. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Jesus appears to two believers travelling on the road. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Amen. We'd had enough. It was all just too dangerous. So Cleopas and whoever it was that was with him were heading home. 
And as they walked, full of questions and grief and wondering what on earth had happened, they were joined by a stranger. I was struck that just a few weeks into our social distancing measures, that already sounds strange. People out for a walk being joined by a stranger. How weird is that? But we all know of times when that's happened to us. So we start to walk along, we fall in with company on the road and we start to chat. And we also know that sometimes it's easier to chat to a stranger. We can unburden ourselves to someone we don't know because we won't see them again. We can do that in a way that we can't do with someone we know well or live with, someone who has a stake in our lives. But it's still strange though. The disciples are still huddled together in the locked room because they're scared. And Cleopas and his friend have gone home. But they talk to a stranger and they tell him about what's happened in a way that's more than idle gossip. This is how the message puts it. They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, he was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in word and work blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him. They got him sentenced to death and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one who was about to deliver Israel. And now it's the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they went to the tomb and they couldn't find his body. They came back with a story that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Jesus hasn't appeared yet in Luke's story. And they've just outed themselves to a stranger as followers of Jesus. And that's a risky thing to do. And to be honest, I'm sure that most of us still don't feel the same. Sharing our faith is a risky thing to do. It's on the list of things that you don't talk about in polite company. Religion and politics and sport. The three things that in Scottish life will without doubt lead to an argument. And that's deeply disappointing because not talking about these things means that we've decided to step away from conversations where we might disagree. And learning how to disagree well is a good and important thing. It turns out that life's full of things that aren't black or white, or right or wrong, apart from supporting Motherwell, obviously. Life is full of choices. It was interesting to hear the First Minister give a very honest and frank update the other day when she admitted something that politicians almost never do. We just don't know. That's the truth. We just don't know what will happen. We don't know when this will end. We don't know what life will be like afterwards. We don't even know what life's going to be like in the coming weeks or months. And that's really unsettling, but it's true. We like certainty though, but the reality is we almost never have it. My granny used to say that you should put on clean drawers in the morning because you might get run over by a bus. And I always used to think that was really funny because you know, if you get hit by a bus, your pants would be the last thing you would worry about. But it betrays a truth, two truths in fact. The first is that we have no idea what's going to happen each day. And the second is that we care deeply 
about what people think of us. I think this story about two people going home is about both of those things. Cleopas and his companion are willing to expose their feelings, their hopes, their fears to, to this stranger, partly because talking things through helps. Saying it out loud is good for us. As the old BT advert used to say, it's good to talk. They're worried, they're scared, and they're confused. We'd thought Jesus was the one, but then he was executed. We thought everything would change, but it's all just the same. We thought it was all over, but then the women told us this story. They're trying to make sense of it all. And so the stranger starts to talk them through it, guiding them through how all the parts fit together, piecing them all together, the, the fragments, building a picture for them. And then they come to the end of the road. And the stranger makes to go on, but it's evening. Hospitality was a central part of life then. You wouldn't let a lone traveller go on into the night. And so they welcome him in and they eat together. And he breaks the bread and they see him. They recognise him in that action. Their understanding is complete. It's like the bread is somehow the final part of a jigsaw. It's put in place and now they can see what's been in front of them the whole time. But it's only through being open and honest about what they think and how they feel and what they believe that the conversation happened in the first place. Imagine they just ignored the stranger on the road or that they had been too scared to share their story or that they hadn't practiced that sacred invitation of hospitality. And that happens when we get stuck, stuck in our fear of what people might think of us. This whole online worship thing is mildly terrifying, not because of the technology or wondering what to say, but because everybody can see this now. Before to hear me, you had to turn up on a Sunday at 11 o'clock at St Irene's. And now anyone with a smartphone or a laptop can watch. And that's both brilliant and a bit odd and slightly terrifying. It's strange because I have absolutely no idea what people will think. And like you, I, I want people to like me. Of course, I want you to listen and for whatever I say to be helpful and for you to learn more about Jesus and for your faith to deepen. But at the same time, I have the same insecurities as everyone else. I worry that nobody will watch this or that they will and they won't like it. I could decide not to bother. I could decide just not to say anything. You could all go and watch Reflections from the Key, which will be brilliant this week because my friend Shuna's on it. Or you could watch Songs of Praise and sing along later. But how can I ask you to share your story with the people that you know if I'm not willing to do the same? And how can we make sense of our story if we don't talk about it? wonder about what it means here and now. My favourite part of this story isn't the bit where they realise it's Jesus. It's the part where they talk about how their hearts burned when he was explaining things to them. Because we've all had that feeling. Those moments where we're confronted by something that sets our hearts on fire. 
It may be a piece of music, a piece of art, some words on a page, a dance, a sport. We've all experienced those moments that go beyond our normal experience. The times we might call transcendent, where things go outside this normal earthly life and are somehow touched by heaven. Inspired. We don't often have a name for that. Those moments when the divine shows up. But we know how it feels. That's what happened to those two weary travellers. And they're moved by it. So they get up and they rush the seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell their friends. Imagine they hadn't bothered. Just kept their encounter with the risen Jesus to themselves. We would never have known their story. The story where Jesus walks alongside two unknown, ordinary, unremarkable people in their sadness and their hurt and their grief and their fear and changes their lives and changes our lives forever. My friend Liz Crumlish tells this story in a new light, in light of our current situation. She tells it brilliantly, better than I ever could, so I'm glad she shared it and I'd like to share it with you. Two family members from the same household walked a necessary journey to spend lockdown together. And as they walked, a stranger drew near, too near, and walked beside them. They eyed him with suspicion and asked him to stay two metres apart. As he took up his socially distant position, he asked them what was troubling them, why the face mask and gloves? Incredulously, they told him about the virus, about the carnage it was wreaking, about the isolation measures being imposed. How could he not have heard? He told them about the homeless woman he'd just met who, for the first time, was being given a place of shelter, who didn't know the rules of social engagement or of distancing, and who couldn't settle into her new reality for fear of what awaited her at the other end, when inevitably she'd be back on the street. He told them of the young nurse who every day dropped his children at school where most of their friends were at home so that he could go and hold the hands and adjust the masks of those who were fighting for life and his terror that he would bring the virus home. He told them of the young man whose wife had just given birth to their first child who couldn't bring the child to be held by his parents or octogenarian grandparents who was learning the skills of parenting via WhatsApp and FaceTime. He told them of young people unable to undertake the rites of passage that marked the movement through all the phases and seasons of life. He told them of the folk of all ages at risk, isolating alone, relying on strangers and neighbours for support. He told them of the pain of families whose loved ones had died without their family at their side, unable to perform the rituals of grief or mourning. He told them story after story, not to diminish their own fears and loss, but to enable them, in the midst of all of it, to see community, to honour sacrifice, to catch a glimmer of hope, and to know that all that they were being asked to endure could not last forever. That all they had learned, all the beauty they had witnessed, in the present and in the emerging, would not be lost when the virus was conquered. The world would be changed forever 
as care and compassion and love and connection became gifts that were celebrated beyond price. And when he disappeared from their sight, they found he had left on the doorstep for them bread and wine. And the law and the prophets and the theologians and the liturgists no longer mattered. Whether virtual or real or physical or spiritual, Christ was present in that sacrament they shared. And in the hope and the promise that they and we cling to for the future. Lord God, each of us walks our own MAS road. Some seem to have an easy route, but for others it's bumpy and twisty and uneven. And so for them we pray this day. For those who are ill and see no end in sight for their pain, we pray for healing and a sense that you are there with them. For those who face financial difficulties, and see no end to their problems. We pray for solutions and a sense that you are there with them. For those who struggle to put food on the table and see no end dates to their empty cupboards, we pray for fairness and a sense that you are there with them. For those who are caring for loved ones and see no end to their fatigue, we pray for rest and the sense that you are there with them. For those who struggle with the daily juggle of responsibilities and see no end to their merry-go-round life, we pray for moments of stillness and the sense that you are there with them. Lord, so many people, so many challenges, it's often difficult for us to know where to begin. So help us to take each situation as it comes and to know what the priorities are, to work out the ways in which we can help. Help us to stick to your path of righteousness, justice and peace and all that we say and all we do. Lord, hear our prayers. Every Father, our Father, our Father, right in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This week at St Irene's Online, there are a couple of things that I'd like you to know about. The first is that our daily reading books, The Upper Room, which we distribute once every couple of months, are available now. Anne Anderson has a pile of them and she'd love to give them to you if you want to take one. So if you usually get a copy of The Upper Room, if you can contact Anne, she'd be delighted to pass them on to you. The second thing is that this Thursday, we're going to try something new, well, something else new. We've been talking a bit about Cafe Church for a while, the idea of getting together round tables and having a chat about some big issues and what God might think of them or have to tell us about them. 
So we're going to try and do that online. We're going to use Zoom. There's some information about all of that on the Facebook page and on the website saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. So if you want to join us on Thursday evening at 7.30, then have a look. As always, you're welcome to join us for morning prayers on Tuesday and Thursday at 9.15. Again, we use Zoom, so you can join by telephone if you want to. There's some information about giving to the church uh, on the Facebook page and on the website. So if you want to be able to do that, then please go and have a look uh, how to do that there. And finally, um, we're thinking about making these services available by telephone. And to do that, we'll use Zoom. We'll play the service at a particular time of the week uh, so that you can join in. So if you don't have internet, I don't know how you're watching this, if you don't have internet, but if you know someone who doesn't have internet, but who does have a phone and who might want to join in the service, then please let them know that this is a possibility and then let me know that they want to join in with us and we'll make it happen. I hope you have a good week and I hope to see you soon. God bless.